Hey there, people-powered business community. Are you ready to transform the way you handle difficult conversations in your business? If so, I'd love you to join me for the Mastering Difficult Conversations workshop that I'm running next week. In just three interactive online sessions on the 18th, 20th and 22nd of March, you'll discover your unique leadership style, you'll master the art of impactful communication by learning the translation code, and you will build your personalized difficult conversations framework. Imagine tackling tricky team talks with confidence and ease, all for the special price for you listeners of just $47. But hurry, spots limited to ensure that we have an engaging experience for everyone. It's time to go from overwhelmed to empowered and lead your business with confidence. Just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash workshop to secure your seat now. Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi there, it's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 130 of the People Powered Business Podcast. I hope wherever you're tuning in today, you are having an awesome, awesome day, whether you're in the car, out walking or out for a run or listening in at your desk. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. It's great to have you here. And today we're chatting about a topic that is front of mind for many business owners, leaders and managers at the moment, and it is centered around our hiring processes. Because as we've been discussing recently here on the podcast, it is tough out there right now. And if you've tried to recruit staff recently, doesn't matter really what industry you're in, unless it's a work from home role, in which case I will say that's a totally different scenario. But unless it is a work from home role, you are probably finding that you are short on quality applicants, that the war for talent is heating up even more than it has been, and that it's competitive out there. And whether you're listening to this episode at the time that it is being released in we're around September 2022, or at another time, you might find yourself hiring in a really competitive market. And I think back to my early days in recruitment, one of my first jobs after uni, my first real job in the big world, and I was recruiting in Sydney, where I was based at the time. And this was around the time of the Sydney Olympics. Now, unless you were sort of in and around that market at that time, you may not sort of consciously be aware, but everyone, it seems, was working on a project for the Olympics. So if you were trying to hire and recruit a staff member and you were not associated with the Olympics, because of course, who didn't want that on their resume? Uh, it was tough. It was a tough market. So I really cut my teeth in a super tough market. And I can tell you after all those years, and of course we had 20 two years down the track or something like that, um, 
it's the same market. In fact, it's an even tougher market, to be honest. And it's a tough market that's extending beyond geographical boundaries. I'm working with businesses in Western Australia, Melbourne, uh, certainly New South Wales and Queensland right now who are all finding it difficult to find great people. So it's a tough market. And what happens when it is a competitive market and the choice of applicants is minute, we tend, we tend, out of desperation, uh, out of trying to be flexible, all of those things, we tend to get a little loose with our screening processes. And we just think that anyone will do. So we are usually quite perhaps tight um, and structured and at least well thought <laughs> let's get my words right, well thought through screening strategies when it comes to looking at applicants applying for our role, that can all go out the door when we only have three applicants to choose from. Have you had that experience? I know many of the businesses I'm working with have, and it's just like, well, this is all we've got, so this will have to do. And today I want to chat to you about why you still need to actually do screening why it is actually more important in a tough market than it is in a buoyant market and why it's equally important to do thorough screening. And to that point, we always start with clarity. Clarity is still king when it comes to making sure we're screening effectively. And what I also am going to share with you today is a five-step framework to screening success. So five steps to ensure no matter whether you've got a thousand applicants or 10, that you are conducting a strong screening process so that the applicants that make it through are the right applicants. Because here's the truth. If you don't screen properly, you're not going to be interviewing the right people. You will have no chance of making great hiring decisions if you don't get the screening right. It really all does start there. So let's start with the obvious. Well, perhaps not obvious, but where we really need to start. And that is, why do we still need to screen? And some of you may be yelling <laughs> through your device right now at me thinking, you know, I've only got two applicants. There ain't no screening to be done here. It's these are the two we're looking at. And I get it. And right now you feel desperate. You are under the pump. You are understaffed. And desperate times, sometimes you think call for desperate measures, but I do not believe that that is the answer. Because the thing is, I, I know for a fact, I was going to say I firmly believe, but I know for a fact, because I've seen this happen over the last 20 years, you simply cannot outrun a bad hire. If you make the wrong hiring decision and you hire the wrong person, it doesn't matter what you do down the track, it will be a failure. The person will not last. You'll need to terminate them, performance manage them. They'll have a negative impact on your culture. They will impact productivity and ultimately profitability. You can't outrun a bad hire. And guess what? A bad shortlist always equals a bad hire. So despite the feeling of desperation and despair and stress and overwhelm, we need to get the screening right if we are to have any chance of making this hiring decision successful and bringing the right people into our team. 
And in fact, just recently, I was asking inside our free Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses, if you haven't already joined, you definitely should, about what are the challenges people are facing right now when it comes to hiring. And one of the things that someone shared was that they were worried about getting it wrong and letting their team down. And I thought that was really profound because when you've got a great team, you want to do right by them. And there is nothing worse than bringing in a dud to a great team. So we put pressure on ourselves around the hiring decision. And to an extent, we really should. It is a really important decision. But when we're in a competitive market, when we don't have a lot of applicants to choose from, we can really second guess ourselves and think, are we being too fussy? And sometimes we are, I will say that. Or are we, do we need to get flexible? Is that criteria really that important? And that's when our screening can get a little wobbly and we can start to do a bad job. So when we start to think about screening, I just wanted to remind you today that clarity is king. If you are not clear about what are the essential requirements of the role, what are the deal breakers What do you actually need this person to do? And what are the skills, the experiences, the qualifications, the licenses that they actually require? If you are not crystal clear on all of those things, if you're just looking for a body to fill a vacant hole (laughs) and you're hoping that whoever walks down the street next is the right person, you're going to get it wrong. Because when we fail to plan, we are planning to fail. And so even though right now the thought of spending even 10 minutes to get clear on what you're actually looking for might feel overwhelming and you've got so many things on your plate and I get it, I get it because I do too and I've been there, taking the space to do that little bit of planning and it can be just 10 minutes, it does not have to be a long period of time or a big commitment, but your future self will really thank you for this because everything that follows in the hiring process becomes a whole lot easier. Now, you've heard me reference on the podcast before an exercise that I teach inside of People Powered HR, which is our um, HR membership for Australian businesses who aren't large enough to want or need internal HR, but are looking to have some expert help on hand. And I teach a framework there called the Clean Slate Exercise. And it really is a planning framework that helps you get really clear about the next person you need to hire, about what the skills look like, what the duties and responsibilities look like, and where you've got gaping holes in your team. Because sometimes when we are desperate, when we're overwhelmed, when we're just so busy and our team are just so busy, we think we know where the gap is or where the pressure point is, but quite often it isn't the most obvious point. And if we haven't done these kind of planning exercises, we end up layering up or loading up an area of our team that actually isn't where the bottleneck is or isn't where the gap or the pain point is. It might seem like the most obvious to add that extra production person or to add um, an extra, you know, tradie or admin person because that's what you see as dollar productive or whatever the case is. But if the bottleneck's somewhere else, you're only going to continue to have issues. So I'll put a link in today's show notes to our episode on the Clean Slate exercise um, so that you can have a listen to that if you haven't already. But it really is a powerful planning strategy that can really help you determine which role next, which is sometimes the, the next decision you actually need to make. So assuming you've got clarity about 
who you're recruiting for, what skills and experience you need, what the role looks like, that is when you are ready to go to market, to place the ad, to put the posts on socials, to tell everyone you know that you're needing a new staff member. But you really have to get that clarity first. Assuming that you've got the clarity and you've gone to market and you've got people applying, you've got ads on seek, you're on all the job boards, you're sharing it on your social media pages, you are getting your team to see if they know anyone, you're letting all of your you know, colleagues, strategic alliances, industry associations, wherever you can get the word out, which is actually key right now. What worked before when we were attracting applicants doesn't work now. And we're going to have more on that in a future episode of the podcast. But assuming you've done all of that and you've got applicants rolling in, hopefully, you know, a few applicants rolling in, not just none or one, what do you do next to ensure that when you're looking at these applicants, you are following a screening process, which is going to ensure that the shortlist that you have are the right people to be interviewing and to be considering for this position. I have a really simple five-step framework for you. Now, this will work whether you have five applicants or 5,000 applicants. It is a great framework to use if you are in a state of overwhelm and you have 5,000 applicants and you think, oh my God, how am I ever going to get through these? And you have a temptation just to pick the first one that looks half decent, which I know people do, and it's not a smart move. But this framework also works really well as a powerful decision-making tool if you only have a handful of applicants, particularly if you are the sort of person who is inclined to say, oh, maybe I don't really need that skill or I don't really need them to have that experience or maybe I can make it work and squeeze them in and figure it out. If you're the kind of person that's going to suddenly get really flexible out of desperation, This framework is going to help you to make better decisions, even if that decision is to not shortlist anyone right now, which I know sounds terrifying, but sometimes it is the best decision because like I said at the beginning of the episode, you cannot outrun a bad hire. There is nothing else to it. So let me dive into this five-step framework and just run you through it at a really high level. Now, the first step we have really already covered, because step one is to get clear. So you've done your planning, you are clear on the role you're hiring for, the details in terms of how many hours you need someone for, is it full-time, is it part-time, is it casual, are you looking for a contractor? You've got clarity around all of that. You know exactly what you're needing this person to do. So step one is to get clear. And to be honest, it really is the most important step. So don't skip over step one. Step two is to start your screening by looking at three criteria. Now, I'm going to run you through these and they are super simple. They all you need is common sense here. So don't panic. This is not any HR faffiness that requires some kind of knowledge of HR or people or psychology. This is really common sense. You need to know three things before you start looking at resumes. The first thing you need to know is what are the must-have criteria for someone to be successful in this position? These are your non-negotiables. If you are hiring an accountant, it is quite likely that a non-negotiable, a must-have, is for them to have a qualification in accounting. If you are hiring a graphic designer, 
it is quite likely that a must-have criteria is previous graphic design skills and possibly graphic design skills using a specific software program like the Adobe Suite, as an example, because that's the software program you use. If you are hiring a customer service person, it is quite likely that a must-have criteria is exceptional communication skills, possibly a sense of empathy, um, maybe experience in, in customer service. If you're hiring an electrician, you're going to want them to be qualified. <laughs> it's kind of essential, right? So you get the gist. These are common sense. These are must-have criteria. Now, in most cases, if you have any more than three to possibly five must-have criteria, you got too many. These aren't must-have criteria anymore. These are nice-to-haves, and I'm going to touch on those in a moment. The must-haves are the true non-negotiables. If they need to be driving a work car, they need to have a driver's license, right? Pretty straightforward. So get clear on your must-have criteria. What are the essentials? The second thing to get clear on are your deal breakers. If they don't have this thing, they can't do the job. This is where licenses and qualifications again can come in. Sometimes it's geographic location. If you need them to be at your Melbourne office and they're currently living in Queensland, it ain't going to work. So that would be a deal breaker. Now, you usually will only have a couple of deal breakers. They're not common, but they're very good to be clear on. And the third thing that you want to understand are what are your nice-to-have criteria. Now, your nice-to-have criteria are much more important when you have loads of resumes that you're looking at. They're less important when you've got only a very short list of people that you're looking at. But if you have lots of resumes, if you're advertising for a work-from-home role right now, you will have a lot of resumes, then you want to get clear on your nice-to-have criteria. These would be great, but they aren't essential. They're things like experience with a particular software package or maybe experience in your industry, for example. They'll be helpful in terms of settling into the role quicker, but not essential in, able to, in being able to do the role. So you get clear on your must-have criteria, your deal breakers, and your nice-to-have criteria. Then what you do is look at all of the resumes. So this is step two, and only think about the must-have criteria. Look at only those things on the resume. Now, this is where I tend to sound a little harsh, and some people think that my approach is a little direct, but that's why it works, because I've been doing this a long time. So don't read the cover letter. Don't read their life story on their resume. Don't look at every position. Look only in this first instance for the must-have criteria, the absolute non-negotiables. If they don't have any of them, they go straight to your no pile and do not look at them again, because this is where some of you are going to get caught up with, maybe I could work around this, or possibly we didn't actually need that. If you've determined that you absolutely needed it, then move them out of the way and don't look at them again because you can't outrun a bad hire. And if they're missing essential experiences, essential qualifications, they're not the right person. Move them away. If they have all of your must-have criteria, they're in your yes pile. And if they're somewhere in between, keep them at hand, but they might be in a maybe pile. So you 
back in the old days of recruitment, we used to be working with like paper resumes. Uh, I would literally have three piles. Yes, no, maybe. That's, it was as simple as that. So you're doing the same thing, but on your computer and your email inbox in the back end of seat, you can do this as well in a similar way using the, the ratings. So you've got a yes pile, people that have all the must-haves. You've got a no pile, people that don't have any of the must-haves. And you've got a maybe pile in between. Step three is to take your yes pile, whether it's one or 1,000 resumes left in that yes pile, and check them against deal breakers. The deal breakers like whether they have a driver's license, whether they live in the state you need them to work in, the deal breakers. Just double check that there are no deal breakers in that yes pile. And if they have, move them back over to no. Okay, so you're just doing a cross check of your yes pile to ensure there are no deal breakers. And then step four is to drill down a little further. Now, I will say, if you get to the end of step three, and you have less than five applicants in your yes pile, you can skip step three, step four and five and go straight to interviewing, okay? Or at least phone calling or Zoom interviewing. If you get to the end of step three and you have five or less people there, skip step four and step five and go straight to the next stage of your recruitment process, whatever that is for you. But if you get to step the end of step three, checking against the deal breakers, and you have 10 plus or more than five applicants still in the mix, then I want you to drill down a little further. I want you to take that yes pile and I want you to look at your nice to have criteria and see who has the most of those. And you'll see that your yes pile will start to kind of rank itself. Those with all of the essential criteria and most of the nice haves, they're going to float to the top. Those with less of the nice to haves and most of the essential criteria, they're going to float to the bottom and it will start to rank itself from most suitable towards least suitable. And then step five is if you need to, if you don't have enough applicants in that yes pile, then go ahead and review your maybes. And again, you bring your nice to have criteria into that decision making. If you've got two in your yes pile and five in your maybes, check your maybe pile and those with most of the nice to have criteria, it might be worth moving them to yes for further assessment. Not because they're necessarily ideal because they're missing some things, but they may be worth further assessment because they've got most of what you need. Okay. Now, once you do that, you are going to have a very clear list of applicants to look at. And this is where you start the rest of your hiring process. This is not where you stop. This is just the beginning. This is where you might send email questions. You might phone the applicants to ask them some questions and get a feel for their communication style. You might be go straight to organizing initial interviews. Whatever your next step is, this is your starting point. Because we, when we get the screening right, we get the right shortlist and the steps we follow from there help us determine which of this shortlist, if any, are most suitable. So let's quickly run through those five steps again. Get clear on your must-have criteria, your nice-to-have criteria, and your deal breakers. Step two, screen all of your applicants with your must-have criteria in mind only. If they've got them all, they go in a yes pile. If they've got none, they go in a no pile. And if they're in between, they go in the maybes. You then take your yes pile and check against your deal breakers. If anyone in the yes pile has a deal breaker, they go straight into no. 
You then again take your yes pile and drill down a little further to see who has the majority of the nice to have criteria and they're going to rise to the top of your shortlist. And if you need to, if you get to this stage and you do not have enough people in your yes pile, you've only got a couple, go to your maybes and again use your nice to have criteria and move some of the top ones across to the yes pile for further assessment. And you will need to be thorough with your further assessment to make sure they do in fact have enough to do the job. Now, it is absolutely possible that you're going to get through this in a competitive market and only have one or two people in your yes pile. And you know what? That's actually okay. Because it means if you hire one of those people, you only need one great applicant for the role. If you hire them and you followed a thorough screening process and then you do your shortlisting and your interviewing and all your other things properly, because this is just the beginning, you will make a great hiring decision even if you didn't have plenty of options to choose from. It's not about the number of options to choose from. It's about the suitability of the people you do have, even if it's just one person. I hope you find that framework helpful. So to recap what we've been chatting about today, although the market is competitive right now and you may not have thousands of resumes to look at, screening properly is still really important to ensure that you get the right shortlist. Because a bad shortlist will always result in a bad hire and you cannot outrun a bad hire. When we have few applicants to choose from, we get desperate. We start to second guess ourselves and we lose the clarity that we need to make great hiring choices. And if you follow the step-by-step framework that I've shared with you today, you will create the right shortlist no matter how small or big it is, which means you're going to give yourself the best chance of making the right hiring choice for your business. I do hope you've found that useful, but if you have questions or you want to follow up the conversation about this framework that I'd shared with you today, I'd love for you to join us in our free Facebook group, which is called HR Support for Australian Businesses. If you just go over to Facebook groups and search that, you will find us, but I'll put a link in today's show notes to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash, forward slash HR support Australia. Struggling with my words a bit today, aren't I? Um, But look, if you've got further questions about the framework or you want to join in that conversation around screening applicants and shortlisting in a competitive market, please join us there. I would really, really love to chat to you further. You'll find a link in today's show notes and you'll find a link to the Clean Slate exercise episode, which I referred to earlier in the show notes as well. That's it for me for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Have an awesome week and I'll chat to you again next week. 